0: this time, Brother Sam Pope has a special portion. Obviously, uh, I'm not Ronnie Coulter. <laughs> but uh, about two weeks ago, Ronnie, uh, I guess he knew he was going to be in Mountain View this weekend, and he asked me if I would uh, stand in for him this morning, and uh, I agreed to. I had a hard time deciding what I wanted to do. And uh, I've been uh, listening to uh, a CD a lot and, uh, that the Gaithers have produced is called Heaven, and uh, there's a song in there I liked. It's kind of peppy, and uh, i decided to do it. But uh, uh, in, in listening to that, it, it's came to my mind lately that uh, you know we don't think enough about heaven and uh, what it's going to mean to us, and what it's going to be like eternally to uh, be in Jesus' presence. And uh, I went to a funeral yesterday of a man that uh, his family used to be members of this church when I was younger. His name is James Daniels, and I'm sure many of you will remember him and uh, remember his sons uh, and his wife who were members here. And uh, anyway, I, I always liked the Daniels, and Jim, the oldest son, is a preacher, and he Uh, delivered the uh, message there at his uh, dad's funeral, and he gave an illustration about what eternity would be like, and uh, I'd never heard it before, and I kind of wanted to uh, share it with you. And uh, he said, picture a billion years, and think in your mind that a little bird would fly by this pulpit once every million years, and he would as he did that, drag his feathers over this pulpit. And after he'd come by every billion years, and eventually the pulpit would wear down to the size of a toothpick. And when that happened, that, that would just be a small portion of what eternity would be like, and that's how long we're saved, we're going to be in Jesus' presence. And uh, anyway, I thought it was a neat story. (laughs) And uh, let's let's do this song, Barbara.
1: (laughs) This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, oh Lord, what I do the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore the saints in glory land are shouting victory I want to join their band and live eternally I hear the sweetest praise from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, I know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, oh, Lord, what can I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore.
2: If you will this morning, uh, go ahead and open up to Ephesians 2. You know, I stayed with Brother Michael's uh, series of messages this morning on uh, hard questions, real answers. And uh, one man came to me and told me, What are you trying to do? Preach what the preacher doesn't want to answer? And I said, No, uh, this is just something I can't answer. And so, um, you know, I, I got the outline prepared around Wednesday. I got it to Miss Denise, I think, Thursday afternoon. Uh, and then I realized yesterday that I forgot the question that I was supposed to be answering. So uh, if you're taking notes and you've got a pen or something, you can write this in there. What does it take to be saved? What does it take to be saved? And as I, as I was thinking upon this this morning, Allie Joe walks in and makes me think, well, maybe I don't need to preach that. She was at a birthday party last night, and uh, her and Sean and uh, the little outlaw girl, can't think of her name, they ended up leading two people to the Lord last night at a birthday party. And I'm thinking, wow. Uh, But what does it take to be saved? And when we start off, you know, I've, I've I've heard it said so many times that salvation is one of the easiest things to do, but one of the hardest things to explain. And and why is it is it that? And I think that is the reason is it's our sinful flesh that gets in the way of of God's working and His dealing with people. But as we look at Ephesians two, we we really see that salvation is not that difficult. Um. Uh, The first thing we need to understand is our lost condition. In Ephesians 2, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. You know, there's a sin nature within us in all of us and, um, you can look at verse three and it really describes what that sin nature is. It says, we, um, our conversation in times past was of the lust of the flesh and, uh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh it 's all about me it 's all about my flesh it 's all about what I can do what 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 Trey is entitled to be by himself and I think that 's what sin really is when we look back at Adam when uh, sin first appeared on the scene, he was trying to be something more of himself. Sin is definitely a product of our flesh uh romans three ten Says something very clear to us that all have sinned. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's there's none of us that are exempt from this condition that we're born into the flesh, the sin nature that we have within us. We're all sinners. And then Romans three twenty three, just a few verses down, goes on to clear this up. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what does it mean not being exempt, being in this lost condition? We are all sinners. We realize that there's no way that we can stand before God. We are in, we are doomed for an eternal home separated from God. That's what death itself is. And Romans six twenty three it starts out for the wages of sin is death. That that's that's where we're at. That's uh, what we're born into. We're born into a sinful nation, a sinful nature that says our end doom is separation from God. And then Revelations twenty goes on to describe this a little further, in saying that Revelations twenty thirteen and fourteen it says, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is our second death. What is our second death? Our second death, death is being cast into the lake of fire. Eternal separation from God into a place where Christ describes in um, his gospels as a place of gnashing and knelling of teeth, and that's what this is. This is somewhere I don't want to be. But, you know, I've tried to think of an illustration and the best thing I could come up with is if we were walking along the street one day and we came up beside a dead corpse. We could we could look at it. We could spray cologne on it. We could put deodorant on it, but it's still a dead corpse and it's going to rot and it's going to stink. We can either ignore it or we can find the best thing to do with it. But it will not go away. And that's, that's how so many people look at their lost condition. They, they either ignore it or they do something about it. And we know later on we'll find out what the best thing to do with it is. Understanding the lost condition that we're in does not save us. It does not. I mean, it, it's, it's simply realizing, yes, I am lost. But that's not what saves us. But I'm glad that's not where the story ends. I'm, not, I'm glad that's not where God left us. And that's when we came into the next point on your outline. It says the importance of grace. What is the importance of grace? In Ephesians 2 verse 4 it says, But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And in the beginning of verse 8 it says, For by grace ye are saved. God loved me enough, enough to show grace. That That's what it is. That's the importance of grace. He wouldn't leave me in that lost condition, but he showed me grace. He said, here it is. I love you. And what he do uh, with that love in John 316, as I shared with the young kids this morning, John 316, he sent his son the example of his love, the proof in the pudding. He says, here is how much I love you. I'm going to send my son for you. And that's what grace is. He sent his son to die for my sins, to take my place, to pay the price that I couldn't pay. In Romans, we're going to be flipping there several times. In Romans 5, in verse 8 and 9, it says, But God commendeth his love toward us in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That wrath, that uh, eternal fire, the resting place, separate from God, now is subject to Christ. Subject and, and balanced upon Him whether we accept Him or not. In Ephesians 2.9 it says, Not of works lest any man should boast. We, we can't be saved of works because Isaiah 64.6 says that all our righteousness is its filthy rags. We can try and try and try, but we'll never get there. Even if we try to be good enough, we would fail. I'm filthy. But through God's wonderful grace, he paid a penalty. So I would not have to spend eternity separated from him. And you know, I've I've probably shared this example with you before. But grace is like you and you got caught on a speeding ticket. There's no way you could pay it. The judge is standing in front of the courtroom. And, and he says, okay, you have to pay this. You clearly broke the law. You know yourself that you clearly broke the law. And you just say, I can't. And the judge, in, in his, uh, graceful state, he takes off his robe. He comes up to the front, goes down, uh, in front of where he would normally be sitting, puts the money for the fine on the, It's not a pulpit, but I can't think of the word of it. And walks back, puts his robe back on and says, your fine is paid. You know, that's what what God truly did. He sent his son to earth to pay a fine that we couldn't pay ourselves. And that's what his grace was. Uh, We must have faith. You know, realizing that we're a sinner won't save us. The grace that God showed will not save us unless we have faith in it. Unless we believe it and we trust that that's our only way to heaven. His grace was enough for me. But if I reject it, I'm still doomed to the same fate as I was when I was born. Ephesians 2, 8-10, through it says, For by grace are you saved through... Faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Through faith, we are saved. The simple verse, John three sixteen, as I've explained earlier, it says, believe on him. That's what faith is, believing that Christ was the payment for your sin. Believing that he was the ultimate sacrifice in hebrews eleven one it says it it 's impossible no hebrews eleven one says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen you know I may not be, I may not be able to go and see a cross to see Christ hanging on it, but I have faith that it happened. I have faith that he took care of my sin. Maybe we can't see Jesus physically, but we can trust in Him. Several commentators that I've read, they they put trust and faith right in the same box. Because that's what you're doing when you say you have faith in Christ. You're saying that I trust Him fully for my eternal home, for my salvation. I trust Him fully for my life. Faith is is believing that Jesus was the payment for our sins. In Romans 5 and verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I love the way verse 2 puts it. It says, it's by faith we have access to God's grace. It it, it clears, you know, the Bible is the best commentator for the Bible. And what I mean by that is, you want to understand something in the Bible, look in the Bible elsewhere, and God will explain it. And what's... Being said in here in Ephesians 2 and in Romans 1 or 5 is the same thing. We only have access to God's grace through faith. So you want to put it simply put? What do we do? How do we become saved? It's subject to one word. Faith. Faith in what? Faith, what what are you talking about, Trey? You know, I've, I've spent my whole life struggling with explaining this, but that's just it. God's not a God of confusion. He says faith is the one answer, the simple answer. A matter of fact, if you go through Scripture, Christ over and over and over again refers us to sheep. Now, I'm not saying that we are dumb, but sheep are dumb. And God knew that it was going to take something simple, something for man to completely understand. And that's what it was. It was faith. Hebrews 11.1 one says it's the substance. It's, it's the thing that you can grasp. It's the thing that, you know, it's, it's the substance of things not seen. I can see this pulpit, pulpit therefore I can grasp it. Faith Is something you can grasp, even though you can't see it. And that's what God tells us. Um, You know, in Ephesians 2, it describes how all other ways to Christ are denied. In verses 9 and 10, it says, Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created... In Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Paul goes on to tell us it's nothing that you can do, it's not, no works that you can do, but salvation leads us to doing good things. When we are saved, we have a changed heart. When we have faith in Christ, we desire to be like Christ, therefore we, what does it say? We should walk in them. We should walk in good works because God has changed our hearts. You know, I, Brother Michael and me on the way to seminary were talking about a powerful illustration the other day. Uh, you may not think it's that powerful. But what what if a woman was walking along one day, not walking but driving, and she saw a dead raccoon in the road. And she knew it was dead. It had been there a couple of days. And, and she got out of the car. She walked over to the raccoon and says, Now get up, raccoon. Get up out of that road. You're going to get run over again, silly thing. Why are you laying there? You know, we are just as foolish to think we can make it to heaven as by our works as that woman is telling the raccoon to get up. It's nothing I can do. I'm dead in sin. There's nothing I can do because my body is just as that lame raccoon. I I can't do anything. But it was by God's grace that He quickened me, as Ephesians 2 and verse 1 says, He made me alive. And when I'm alive, then and only then can I perform the good works which He had before ordained of me. Acts fifteen and verse nine It's a very powerful illustration of this, and when many of many of the men, the apostles, they were debating on the Gentiles, could they be saved what What is the principle here you know that they are not like us, there's certain rituals that they don't perform, you know. What do we do here with the Gentiles? And Peter, in the midst of this, in Acts 15 and verse 9, it it says, And put no difference between us and them. Put no difference between us and the Gentiles. Purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye, God, to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe, there again, faith, believing is faith. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as the Gentiles. You know, the principle of the only way to accept salvation, to gain salvation, is through faith. Doesn't just apply to me and you, it applies to everybody, no matter their race, their color. It doesn't matter. Salvation comes through the same way to every soul. And it's through faith. Faith in what? Faith in the grace. That God has shown. It doesn't matter what we've done. Because Christ already took care of it. Colossians 2. And I, I know I've referenced that twice. But that's what I'm preaching on tomorrow. So that's why I'm so familiar with it. Colossians 2. It, it says in all our sin. Christ nailed it to the cross. That's where he said it's it, it's It's finished. You don't worry about what you've done. you have faith in me that I took care of it. The message of salvation is life-changing. That's what, that's what we were talking about. It leads us to good works. It's life-changing, but it's not confusing. We need to know We need a savior because of our lost condition. But that's not what saves us. God showed us a tremendous amount of love by showing His grace and giving us His Son to die on the cross. And all we have to do is have faith and believe it. And that is how we obtain salvation. Faith in God's grace, faith in God's payment. That's all it takes. If you're here today and, and you've never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we use that term. But what does that mean? It simply means if you've never had faith that Christ was the payment for your sin, you can do it today. It's very simple. And if you're here and you, you say, Trey, well, that, that's simple. And I've done that the next step's baptism the next step's following jesus and and following christ and the will he has for your life but the main reason i preach this one one definite reason and i won't get away from that is if there's anyone here that doesn't know christ i would have them have faith in him today that's my goal but the second reason is if you're here and you're an alley joe or or whoever The gospel is simple simple enough for you to share. All it takes is faith. Faith in Christ. As our song leaders come for a hymn of invitation, I, I talked to the teens this morning about faith. Me and Kevin did. He did a great job filling in for me teaching. Or actually filling in for Brother Darren. here's the point we've got to have faith to be saved we've got to